My name is Stefan Waldschmidt, and I'm here to introduce, and also, I guess, host, a series of conversations for Duke's Graduate School that we're calling Figuring It Out. So first, a little about myself. When I came to Duke to study English, I thought graduate school would have me take some classes, write a dissertation, and maybe even do some teaching. But as I learned, and as I hope we'll see in these conversations, there's a lot more to getting your PhD than that. More opportunities and more challenges than I ever could have imagined. In order to get a handle on some of those opportunities, today I'll be talking with Megan O'Neill, one of my colleagues and cohort mates from English. What I really enjoyed about this conversation is how it is, in part, about moving out of the discipline that you thought might be your home and taking an active role in seeking mentors. Let's take a listen. Hi, Meg. How are you? Hi, yeah. Stefan. It's, <laughs> it's great to be here today, and thank you for taking the time to talk with me. This is a really exciting series, and I'm happy to be a part yeah, of it. Yeah, no, thank you for, for doing this. I mean, we're colleagues. We actually came in to grad school the same year, all yep. so many years ago. We're... I know, many, many years ago. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I guess first, if I could just ask you to say a little about what's your research about and what kind of makes you passionate yeah, so um, I study mostly World War II and contemporary Anglophone literature, and my um, my dissertation is actually on contemporary walking narratives. So these are these kind of hybrid texts that are formally guided by a walk or a series of walks through the landscape. And I think what I find compelling about these types of narratives is that they really challenge the way we think about place and the way we think about personal identity and also the way we think about um, history. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so, I mean, whenever we were talking about this a little bit earlier, one of the things that I, I was really struck by is how these walking or peripatetic narratives are kind of about a uh, journey, right? And today here, we're here to talk about, I guess, journeys through graduate school. Yeah, that's that's definitely the case. Yeah, we were talking a little bit earlier about how a lot of the narratives that I work on are narratives of wandering as well. And I would definitely characterize my time as a doctoral student as a process of taking different paths and wandering and really try different things out in order to figure out what was right for me and what I found compelling in terms of my intellectual interests and also the things that I, find, I found valuable and that really uh, made me want to work hard at them. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So, um, so part of that was how you started to get involved, from what I gather, in these interdisciplinary projects and best connections that to kind of pick up on your metaphor, sort of wander across different disciplinary boundaries. Yep. Yeah. So the narratives I work on are very interested in interdisciplinary questions and the way that the larger questions that we like to explore combine things like geography and and uh, psychology together or philosophy and lit or the way they um, take big concepts like nature or landscape or personhood and think about them in a really kind of interdisciplinary or historical way. And yeah. so, yeah, I've been really proactive in actually seeking out chances to kind of get out of my department mm. and explore these questions in more institutionalized interdisciplinary context. 
Yeah. And that that's what really drew me to Bass Connections. Yeah. Do you think you could just say a little bit about what Bass Connections is? Because from my experience at Duke, there's a million different initiatives happening. They all have their sort of acronyms and names. So I was wondering just about the one specific initiative that you've been involved in, Bass. What's that kind of about? Yeah. So Bass Connections is designed around getting together Duke faculty members and people in Duke libraries with undergraduate and graduate students to explore big problems or real-world issues that need multiple voices and an interdisciplinary approach in order to actually get anywhere with mm. them. So, yeah. So, so for example, what, what are some of the uh, initiatives or projects you've been involved in? You were, you were telling me earlier about this stuff you did uh, on an oil documentary? Yeah. So I've been involved in two Bass Connections projects. The one that you're referring to is called – it has a big unwieldy name. It's called Exploring the Intersection of Energy and Peacebuilding Through Film. And um, what this did kind of in a nutshell was it was a project that was led by – woman from Duke Libraries and a woman, a professor um, from the Nicholas School, and it was designed around an exploration of the relationship between natural resources and conflict Mm -hmm. and the way in which natural resources can also be a really important uh, part of peace building. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so, again, it's, it's kind of a, it was a big project, but what we did was Erica Weinthal, who is the professor in the Nicholas School, she got access to over a decade's worth of post-conflict environmental assessments from the mm. United Nations Environment Program. And these this was hundreds of hours of footage that showed everything from community meetings to sampling, like soil sampling expeditions, to stakeholder interviews, to um, visits to uh, post-conflict zones. Like what, what are post-conflict zones? Just, yeah, know. so the, I, I guess I can tell you about the place that that we thought about in particular. So we were viewing and cataloging film footage from the UN environmental programs um, work in Agoniland, which is a region of southeastern Nigeria and the Niger Delta where um, the Agoni people, who are an an indigenous people in southeast Nigeria, where they live, And they, over the past um, 60 or 70 years, have had a really fraught relationship with um, companies that have engaged in oil extraction. Mm. Um, And the oil extraction, most of which was done by Shell Oil, really devastated the natural environment of Ogoni land. And so Mm. our project was really about environmental justice and thinking about how after Shell Oil left Ogoni land – the ways in which the environment could be an integral part of the kind of rebuilding process in in this area. Yeah, that's really interesting. I mean, if anyone wants to go and see the documentary, I'll actually put a link to it in the podcast episode. But I think one of the things that's really cool about that project is that it's kind of a a very much a public-facing project, trying to engage a whole bunch of different communities, which I think share something similar with the other project that you said you were involved with Bass, the the NC Jukebox project? Yeah. Well, one thing I'll just go back and say mm-hmm. about the documentary project is the thing that I think was actually the, the coolest thing about mm-hmm. that project is that I co-produced that film with three undergraduates. Oh, so yeah. a big part of 
Bass Connections is linking Duke faculty, undergraduates, and graduate students together and to pursue a similar goal or a similar kind of, like you said, public-facing deliverable. And so my, I, I really like that. Pro- that project was very difficult, let me say. <laughs> Making a film out of found footage is very difficult. But the thing that I liked most was really getting to know the undergraduates in that in that project and working really hard with a lot of really smart and talented students to help put together and to tell a story that's really complex and that has a lot of stakeholders and that um, deals with a difficult subject. Mm-hmm. So I, I just wanted to say that. Yeah, no, that's on. super awesome. Yeah. yeah. But yeah, so the project that I'm working on currently is called the um, it's called the NC Jukebox Project, and as you can imagine, that that project is very very different from the project on Ogoniland. Um, this project is actually designed around a, an archive at Rubenstein Library, and it is an archive that was begun in the 1930s. There was a Duke professor named Frank Clyde Brown who recorded and archived uh, folk music from Western North Carolina, actually from across North Carolina. And that collection ended up staying at Duke. And unfortunately, what has happened to it is that the recordings, which were done on very old technology now, um, the recordings are on wax cylinders and glass discs, which we can no, we don't have the technology at Duke to actually get those sound recordings off mm. of these older technologies, older older materials. So the the larger aim of the project is to transform this inaccessible audio archive of North Carolina folk music into something that's publicly accessible and interesting to both scholars and communities from which this music was originally taken yes. or recorded. Yeah, so another kind of public-facing project. Yeah, right? yeah. yeah. And, a, and a project that's really about repatriation, too, mm-hmm. and about bringing bringing these recordings back, like, like I was trying to say earlier, uh, to the communities that might not even know that, you know, their great uncle was recorded. So it's a big part of that project is has been kind of seeking out individuals who have some kind of relationship to these recordings and who mm-hmm. would really enjoy hearing, you know, what their, like I said, what their great-grandfather or great-aunt sounded yeah, like. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, I think that's kind of interesting thinking about it in terms of your own work uh, wandering and stuff. So not only are you kind of wandering between these different disciplines, but also you're working with texts that have kind of wandered themselves, yeah. right, to be lost somewhere down in Rubinston Library, only yeah. to be recovered and then put on the road again, so to speak. Yeah, no, that's really, I n- didn't really think of it that way, but that's that's really true. And this this collection specifically has been has had a really interesting path because in the 70s, this collection was actually found in a random stairwell in the library. And a Duke student was actually really integral in getting the original materials, the original sound recordings into some of the original sound recordings into a format that we can hear now. So what he did was he took the wax cylinders and, uh, 
put the sound onto reel-to-reel tapes, which was then put onto CD, which was then put onto MP3. So we do have access to some of these recordings now. That's exciting. Yeah, too. that's super great. So, so take a few steps back, so to speak, you know, pun. Mm-hmm. But sort of take a few steps back and uh, think about your involvement in these interdisciplinary projects as a whole. How do you feel like your trajectory through grad school or the way you've thought about your research has changed as a result of your involvement in Bass Connections? Yeah, I think I think I kind of have two major major things to say about that. One is I wish I had actually been involved in Bass Connections earlier in my time at Duke. I was telling you earlier that I became involved in these projects right around when I was taking my exams and when I was beginning to think about my dissertation. But I I I would have loved to actually been in Involved earlier so that these projects could have transformed maybe what I imagined a dissertation to look like or what my dissertation project might have been. Because it's funny, through this work, I've imagined, you know, 10 other dissertation projects <laughs> I could have done. So I, I wish I would have been involved a little bit earlier so that they could have been more they've, – they've always – I've always thought of them as kind of supplements to my education. But they've actually – like I – I need to rethink the story of how of how those are have been a part of my life. I, I think. Yeah, and I mean, I think one of the other things that I, I thought was really interesting whenever we were talking about this earlier is how um, a lot of the dissertation work as a scholar is kind of a solo wandering journey, yeah. right? Mm-hmm. But um, one of the things you were talking about, or what I've kind of gathered about what you're saying about these interdisciplinary projects, is that there are collaborative projects where you're assembling a network of both undergraduates who you're working with and then also new mentors as well. Yeah. For me, Bass Connections has hugely been about mentorship. So again, kind of right around the time when I was taking my exams, I really tried to actively pursue mentors outside of my my discipline just because I wanted to I wanted to see how different people thought about scholarship and I really wanted people I needed guidance to be completely honest. And so for me, Bass Connections has helped me reach outside and create a community around collaborative scholarship that I would have never had if I um, had just kind of stuck to only doing my dissertation project. I think some people can really find a community around the kind of literary critical work that we do in in English. But for me, it's it's actually been a network outside of that community that has been really influential and and. I've really loved that mentorship aspect. Yeah. I mean, one of the things that I, I've, I find so interesting about your story is I know when I first came into grad school, I kind of assumed, OK, you come into grad school, you're sort of assigned a mentor. But I think one of the things that you're helping me kind of realize and think about is that, you know, as a grad student, one of the things you can do is you can play an active role in seeking out the kind of mentorship that you actually think you need. And there are a lot of people involved in a lot of different projects who are totally ready to sort of talk with you and think with you and develop new ideas with you. And it's a matter of like fi- wandering around to find your own community. Right? Yeah, yeah, it definitely. That's a great way to characterize my experience. And I, I didn't even, I don't think I quite realized I was doing that until later. But but yeah, that is one of the biggest pieces of advice I would give someone coming to graduate school is to take an active role in finding mentors because that community and that network of people who will be vital to your own scholarship and to whatever kind of 
activities you get involved with, it's not just there ready made for you. You actually really have to cultivate it. And for me, having that network expand all the way to the Nicholas School, to the to Rubenstein Library, into the provost's office and like administrators in the graduate school, that has been really, really helpful in helping me think about what's next as well. So. Yeah. And that's, and I mean, I'm still trying to figure out what's next as well. So it's a more wandering for all of us ahead, right? Exactly. All right. Well, so I guess that's uh, kind of to wrap up our conversation. Thank you so much, Megan, for taking the chance to come in and speak with me. I thought this was very interesting. Hopefully you guys will as well. Thank you, Stefan. Thank you, Meg. All right.